What up, Ram Nation? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. As always, I'm Justin Michael. And today we're talking about Trey McBride. The NFL draft is finally almost here. And although it's it's still a guessing point, I mean, this process is imperfect at best. I do think we can kind of get a somewhat realistic understanding of, of where we can ultimately expect him to go obviously you know weird stuff happens in the draft sometimes guys go way earlier than anyone expects other times you know guys end up falling that nobody sees coming but i'm just going to go through some of the most recent mock drafts i'm going to rank the top spots for which i would like to see him land just kind of go over the the top five landing spots for him in the upcoming draft i guess would have been a smoother way to say that Before we get into all of that, though, I did want to open up just with a a brief kind of take here on the NBA playing games. And and this is going to be, you know, very brief. But if you've listened to the podcast regularly over the years, you know that a common message of mine is just to enjoy the process. I mean, sports are are mostly heartbreak. It's a lot of disappointment, letdown, etc., so when you have something to be excited about, you know, if you're a Nuggets fan, you know, getting stoked about Jokic very likely winning a second MVP, why wouldn't you be excited about that? Obviously, the expectation, the hope is that at some point they can get over that hurdle and, you know, legitimately contend for an NBA championship and and we'll see what happens in this upcoming playoffs. I would say without Jamal, without MPJ, their ceilings, you know, maybe the second round, maybe Jokic can will them to a a victory over Golden State. He did it last year. Not the Warriors, but, you know, basically single-handedly carried them to a a second round appearance. We'll we'll see. But I I was just kind of surprised to see the way that everybody was clowning the Minnesota Timberwolves fans and players for being stoked for for winning the play-in game against the uh, Los Angeles Clippers on Monday night. Look, it, it was a little bit over the top, a little corny. They celebrated the hell out of it. But the the reaction has been so volatile, so negative towards them. The, the TNT guys mock them post-game, and, and I get that's a part of their shtick. You know, I'm not trying to come up here and be like, oh, this is horrible. I get it. That's part of their deal. They're hilarious. I love it. But the reaction as a whole, I don't know. Something about it just kind of rubs me the wrong way, and I think it, it kind of just goes in line with you know, my philosophical beliefs on sports, which are that you have to enjoy the good moments when they come, you know, otherwise it's, it's just going to be miserable all the time. And I also think you have to, to factor in, you know, history. Minnesota has, has been a hopeless franchise since Kevin Garnett left. And that was what, you know, 15 years ago. They're a team that's, that's just been absolutely pitiful now for the majority of the last decade. They're a young roster that's been through a lot. They have like one playoff appearance in the last decade. They, they've never experienced any type of sustained success whatsoever. This was a big moment for that group, for that, for that organization, you know, a symbol of, you know, we're doing the right things. I don't think anybody expects Minnesota to win the championship this year, but that's a legitimate team. They've got a lot of talent. They're well coached. They play really hard. I mean, I, I think good things are, are coming for the T-Wolves over the next half decade or so. But it's been brutal. It's been really rough leading up to this point. And when you also factor in everything that that city's been through, and again, I don't want to get too preachy or too deep or anything here, but it's been pretty difficult in Minneapolis the last couple of years when you look at just the riots and and everything that that entire city has been through. It's it's brutal. 
And one of the things that I love about sports all the time, but especially during a, a tough time for a community, is, is just the way that it can, then can bring everybody together. The communal aspect of it all is it's just something that you don't experience really in, in other walks of life. I mean, again, I, I understand that it's important to have standards to want to achieve things, to you know, want to win rings, but this is a, a city that's been through hell. This is an organization that has really not accomplished anything post-Kevin Garnett and not much before him. Let this team have the moment. You know, if you want to make fun of them a little bit, say they went a little bit over the top, Patrick Beverly especially, who's a a guy who honestly I, I can't stand, but feels weird to be defending Pat Bev on anything here. But I mean, I get it. It's a team that gave up on him. You know, I think he has some beef with the Clippers a little bit. I get why he was celebrating, but just let Minnesota have this moment. Let their fans enjoy this moment. Let their young players enjoy this moment. I mean, again, not to get preachy, but Carl Anthony Towns lost his mom pretty early into COVID. Personally, I, I can't even imagine what he's been through the last couple of years. And, and that's not even getting into the the basketball side of things. And I mean, he's a guy who coming out of college, there there were great expectations. He was supposed to be the the next great big in the league. And I think kind of for the first couple of years, he he let a lot of people down, at least with the the expectations they had. And that's not necessarily on him, but He's he's really come on strong these past couple of years, and I think he deserves a ton of credit for d- improving his game. Defensively, still kind of a liability, and, and we saw that in a major way in this game, but he, he's just a guy that's easy to root for. I think this young Timberwolves team is, is really fun. Part of that might be they've, they've got a couple of former Nuggets and Jared Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley, so maybe I just have a soft spot for them, but I, I think they, they play hard. They go about it the right way. They should enjoy a, a you know playoff win. I don't know if you necessarily count the play-in as a playoff win, but I'm going to. Why not? All right, that's my two cents on the entire situation. Pretty much goes in line with everything you know that I've said about sports over the years. Just trying to appreciate the fun moments when they come. Again, sports are supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be about you know bringing the community together. We saw exactly this in Minnesota, and they got mocked for it. So I just I think that's a little weird. Did they go a little overboard? Probably, you know, probably a a bit of a dramatic celebration, but who cares? You know, let them have their moment. I just, I don't know. I think that the tendency to just go negative with with anything all the time is is so easy. And I don't know. I remember a time where it was okay to just admit, hey, I I really like sports. I think they're fun. So I I like to kind of go back to that. All right, I'm going to move on. I'm going to talk about Trey McBride because I know that's what all of you are here for. Real quick, though, got to shout out the homies over at DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. The NBA playoffs are here, and that means next-level basketball. Get ready for all of the action by betting on the play-in tournament with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win, and they're going to get $150 in free bets instantly. You clinch a win no matter what. You bet $5, you get $150 in free bets. They're just giving you money. If you're a current customer and you're thinking, hey, that sounds pretty sweet. Too bad I can't get in on that. Don't worry. DraftKings is looking out for you as well. You can get in on the action with the same game parlay. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. For each day of the plan, get a risk-free bet up to $10. So if your same game parlay doesn't hit, it's cool. You're going to get redeemed with a free bet up to $10. Get a second chance at it. 
that's the cool thing about DraftKings in particular. They're just always giving you an opportunity to redeem your mistakes. You know, when you're at a sports book and you've got your ticket and you watch your bad bet, you know, blow up your parlay and the whole thing goes up in flames, you might as well just rip it in half, throw it in the trash, get a drink, call it a night. DraftKings, they're looking out for you. They're giving you multiple chances to get a payout. Gotta love that. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now use the promo code DNVR when you sign up. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win. Get $150 in free bets instantly. No matter what, that promo code DNVR at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem. 1-800-522-4700. All right, all right, all right. Let's talk a little bit about Trey McBride. At this point, it's pretty unanimous. He is the top tight end prospect. You do see some, occasionally, some Greg Doldich hype at a UCLA. He's a guy that really saw his stock rise at the Senior Bowl and on. A good athlete, good pass catcher, I get it. I don't know. I, I just think at this point, after Trey, you know, ran a 4 5 4 40 at the Pro Day, to me, it's like, what else do you need to see? I mean, he's a complete player, absolute animal of a run blocker, could improve his technique a little bit, but the mindset is there. And more than anything, that's what you want as an NFL team. So many of these tight ends, it's not that they're not athletic enough. It's not that they're not big enough, that they're not strong enough to be a good blocker. It's just that they have no interest in, in getting nasty and getting in the trenches. I'm not trying to you know, go old man ranting or you know, call them soft, you know, players that that don't block or anything like that. But it's just a different type of player, a different mentality. You know, really tight ends in a lot of these modern systems, you could look at the air raid, for instance. It's more of an extra receiver out there. I mean, especially the roles that tight ends are going to be most consistently fulfilling for CSU will be obviously running routes down the field, making an impact as pass catchers. But in the NFL, you've got to be able to go under center. You've got to be able to run the football. And that's what makes Trey such a valuable commodity. I mean, obviously, he has the best hands of, of anybody that I've you know watched consistently. Just a pure catcher of the football. I mean, that guy never uses his body, never uses his arms. It's always just his hands, snatching it out of air. Textbook, exactly what you would want to see. I don't know how any NFL team you know, wouldn't value that. Are there going to be more explosive athletes that you can find? Obviously, are there going to be faster guys? Yes. But are there going to be guys that when you strap up, when you put the shoulder pads on, the the helmet, that are going to play as hard as him, that can also make the type of impact that he can? Because again, he's not just a, you know, a grinder, a guy that, that plays really hard. Yes, that is a big factor of what makes him successful. But he's also just a fucking baller. He's also just really good at football. And that's why it's been interesting to me that Despite doing everything he needed to do this year, you know, winning the Mackey Award, you know, proving he's the best or most productive tight end, and then, you know, getting the hardware that at least claims he's the best tight end in the country, going and dominating at the Senior Bowl, you know, absolutely putting on a show, not just in the game, but in the practices themselves, which is more important than the actual game. He looked good at the combine. You know, he did his thing there, you know, showing off his abilities as a pass catcher, as a route runner, all of that type of stuff. Didn't run, obviously, but lifted well. And then he absolutely killed it at the pro day. You know, did exactly what he needed to do from his 40 perspective. The man has checked off every single box that you could possibly have. 
And on top of that, he'd probably win you over with some other things, which, you know, just his general personality, his strong family values. I mean, those aren't necessarily indicators of, of success or whatever, but NFL teams, they, they eat that shit up. They really do. Anyways, he's, he's done everything that you could ask of him and then some. The only thing you could hold against him is, is lack of red zone touches and, and lack of, you know, touchdowns in the red zone, but that's all because of scheme. You know, there's so many times I've typed up and deleted responses to people being like, oh, that's weird. Uh, why didn't Trey McBride score more touchdowns? I'm like, just watch him. Watch two CSU games and watch them run halfback dive out of a jumbo 14 times in a four-quarter game and want to pull your hair out like we all did he's done exactly what he needed to do. So it's been kind of weird to me to see him kind of falling, I guess, because throughout the the college football season, and again, those mocks don't mean a whole lot. He was very consistently across the board being forecasted as a first round pick and and not just by the the team blogs or stuff like that. I mean, by the Todd McShays and and Mel Kuypers of the world, you know, the, the people who have legitimate input from NFL teams. Now, you know, at this point, over the last couple of weeks, I'm I'm not even seeing a tight end go off the board in the first 50 picks. You know, it, it's been, you know, 50 to the set 50 to 70 range or so. Why that is, I'm I'm not exactly sure. There is a ton of talent at edge, uh, wide receiver. There's some good uh, interior linebackers, corners. I mean, there's a lot of really really intriguing talent in this upcoming draft class. And the tight end class in particular is is really deep. There's just a lot of guys, whether it's Greg Doldich, gosh, can't pronounce his name, Greg Doldich of UCLA, uh, Jalen Weidermeyer of Texas A&M, Charlie Kohler of Iowa State, Isaiah Likely, Coastal Carolina, Jake Ferguson, Wisconsin, Cole Turner of Nevada, and, and Kate Otten of, of Washington, a guy that I didn't watch much last year, but have really grown to, to like his game. There are a lot of good tight ends, and I just wonder if teams are thinking, we may not get our top guy, you know, we may not get Trey McBride, but we could still end up with Doldich or, you know, Kate Otten or Cole Turner or whatever it is, depending on what they need. Again, I, I think Cole will basically be more like a receiver at the next level, but there's just a lot of guys that you could bring in and expect realistically to be productive at the next level. And because of that, that, that could be, you know, the thinking behind these mocks is just that there's enough value to kind of sit tight and, and be patient throughout the process. And, and we see that with running backs often and, and receivers. Once you get out of the, like the top 10, you know, they're all kind of just viewed together. So it's like, yeah, we could take him or we could just wait for one of these other guys two rounds from now. And sometimes that can result in, in good guys falling. The other thing I think is just prospect fatigue. And if you listen to the draft pod, we talk about this a lot. Guys who really blow up early in the season, early in the process, and that was definitely the case with Trey with, you know, how many catches he had in in non-conference play. Sometimes people, they they get so, so much attention, so much coverage that eventually people just get kind of worn out with it and they fall in love with other guys. And naturally those other guys that they fall in love with, you know, later in the process end up rising in their rankings just because it's, you know, it's, it's like recency bias. It's just what you've been thinking about as of late. And then, you know, when it's all said and done, the guy that everybody loved early NFL teams clearly valued, but you know, people kind of got tired of talking about and had forecasted in the second, third round, he ends up going late first round and everyone does the whole, Oh yeah. You know, like we, we knew it all along, but the the whole process is, is honestly, it's just a bit silly at times. I mean, especially when you're trying to do, you know, mocks in September and all that, 
even now though, you know, again, I, I think that with certain guys that are actually tapped into NFL franchises, there are value in this just because, I mean, they're not doing this blind, you know, they're, they're talking to these teams, they're learning, you know, what they view about them, you know, how early they would take some of these guys, how late they would take them, you know, if certain guys they'd be willing to trade up for, they have information. But again, you know, I, I think these even experts are, are kind of guilty of fatigue as well. So it, it would not surprise me if when it's all said and done, you know, somebody like Trey McBride ends up, you know, going late first round or, you know, somewhere in the 40. Right now, though, it, it kind of seems like the 50 to 60 range is, is where a lot of the experts have him, you know, give it give or take a, a couple of picks. So let's just go through those real quick. Um, the most recent mock draft, and again, this is as of Wednesday, April 13th. This came out this morning. Mel Kuyper of ESPN. He has Trey going number 64 to Denver. He has Greg Doldich as the first tight end off the board at number 63. So again, you know, Mel doesn't even have a tight end going until 63 and 64. Then the top two guys go back to back. This is what Mel had to say about Trey McBride. McBride is more advanced as a pass catcher than Doldich, which is what the Broncos need with new quarterback Russell Wilson. With Noah Fan off to Seattle, there are targets available. And then he just goes through his college stats there. Obviously a phenomenal year, 1,121 receiving yards. Uh, the Athletic, in their most recent mock draft, and this also came out this morning, they had the Broncos landing Trey at 64 as well. Again, I'm going to go on record and say I don't expect him to be there at 64. He's probably not going to be a first-round pick. I just don't think that any tight ends are going to be a first-round pick now, just based on the way that this seems to be going. But I do think he will be the first tight end taken. Uh, anyways, Nick Cosmeter of The Athletic Denver has to wait for a while to get in the action after trading its first two picks, number nine and 40 to Seattle in the Russell Wilson trade. But with the additional second round pick they acquired from the Rams in last fall's Von Miller trade, the Broncos nab arguably the best tight end in the draft, a homegrown talent from Fort Morgan, Colorado, who had 90 catches during his senior year at Colorado state, being able to select McBride late in the second round would help Denver's front office feel a lot better about sending last season's starter at the position. Noah Fant to the Seahawks in the Wilson trade. Uh, Brugler also wrote with Fant shipped to Seattle. This is a realistic scenario for Denver to draft the first tight end in this class. McBride doesn't have any special qualities with average size and speed, but he is a dependable pass catcher. Uh, I disagree that about uh, some of his, you know, lack of, I don't know, special qualities or whatever, according to Brugler, like watch it, watch him on the football field. Again, he, he doesn't shine in the underwear Olympics, but dude's an animal. Ryan Wilson of CBS Sports in his most recent mock draft, which was on April 11th, had Trey going number 59 to Green Bay. That would be a good spot with Aaron Rodgers. And uh, Todd McShay in his most recent mock, which came out April 5th, so about a week ago, he also had Trey going to Green Bay, but at number 53. This is what Todd McShay wrote about him on April 5th. More help for Aaron Rodgers. The Packers already landed Jahan Dotson and Kenyon Green. Now McBride gives them another target with great hands. He is an outstanding on contested catches, can make vertical plays down the seam, and then he credited him as being a capable blocker. So right now kind of sounds like anywhere around 50 to 65-ish. I guess I should have opened it up a little bit, but you know, late second round seems to be kind of the, the projection for the first tight end off the board based on what a lot of these quote unquote experts are thinking. Again, still wouldn't surprise me if he went somewhere in the forties, especially if 
uh, you know, team in particular just fell in love with them, wanted to guarantee that they ended up with McBride, not Doldich. Personally, I mean, if, if he's still hanging around 50, I'd, I'd love to see Denver trade up and, and guarantee that they get him. I mean, obviously, I'm a Broncos season ticket holder. You know, no Trey. I've gotten to become, you know, friends with them over the years. That'd be an awesome, you know, it'd, it'd just be a perfect opportunity. I, I'd love to get to see him. It'd be so cool to see the orange and blue McBride jerseys, which would just be abundant. I mean, they'd be all over that stadium. I mean, mostly Russell Wilson jerseys next year, just because Russell mania, you know, is going to take over, but you know, Fort Morgan, Fort Collins, I certainly would have a Trey McBride Broncos Jersey. I'd rock a Trey McBride Packers Jersey as well. He already looks good in green. I already look good in green. I mean, I, I could get behind that playing with a Raj. Uh, kind of with that in mind, though, I, I did want to go through just what I think as as kind of are the top five destinations for him. Uh, a couple of factors included, you know, quarterback, coach, um, stability of the franchise historically, general fit, you know, outside factors, obviously landing in Denver, the, the hometown component. That's something you could consider. He would be happy. It's it's a position that the Broncos need. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get into it, going to give you my top five. There are a couple that might surprise you. I think there were, you know, early on in this process, I, I would have had a team like the Titans in just because of the way they really run the football. I didn't include them though. And, and I'll explain the, the, the reasoning behind the five teams. Real quick though, before we get into that, I want to talk about Wana Gummies, which are fast optimals to help you fall asleep. It's a 20 to 100 THC to CBD ratio. If you need to catch up on some shut eye after the big game, you know, or no matter no matter when you take them, this well-rounded recipe will leave you feeling rested and refreshed in the morning. Over-the-counter pharmaceuticals knock you out with powerful drugs that leave you in a fog. Wana Optimal's Fast Asleep Gummies offer a holistic plant-based solution that tackles the root causes of sleeplessness, like stress and pain, rather than simply just inducing drowsiness. Fast-acting sleep aid will have your eyelids falling asleep within 5 to 15 minutes, but this carefully calibrated formula contains 10 milligrams of CBD, just a hint of THC, just enough to make you feel nice, plus the sleep hormone melatonin and the rare cannabinoids CBG and CBN, which can help relieve stress, stiffness, and discomfort. Oh, and did we mention, it comes in a delicious berry dream flavor. Too good. Personally, I could not recommend this product enough. I say that sincerely. I also cannot recommend enough hitting up Colorado's premier dispensary. That is, of course, Lightshade. They have 11 convenient Denver Metro and Aurora locations. Uh, they just opened one on Barnum off 6th Avenue and Federal Boulevard. They truly are the best in the game. And there's nobody that you would want to hit up more, especially, I mean, 420 coming up. The five best-selling products will be buy one, get one for $1 from April 20th through the 26th. They offer something for everyone, whether it's the casual consumer to the connoisseur, Lightshade has a premium selection of cannabis concentrates, top shelf flour, edibles, tinctures, accessories, and more. And our listeners can get 25% off non-sale items when they use the code DNVR. Shop at lightshade.com, enter that code DNVR, get 25%. As I've never heard of a promo like this, 25% at any other dispensary. Order it online, pick up at the nearest location near you. It, it's really as easy as it gets. Shout out Lightshade, shout out Wana. You will love it. I also want to give you my DraftKings pick of the week. DraftKings pick of the week. And I, I was torn. I, I thought about teasing the, the Nuggets Warriors series. I do think there is a path to, to Denver winning. Just, I mean, Golden State, they've been incomplete all year. You know, Clay looks a little bit better, but who knows what Steph's status is going to be. 
Uh, same with Draymond. I mean, they're just, they've got a lot of moving pieces. Similarly to Denver, I mean, these are two rosters that, you know, when healthier are probably NBA title contenders without, don't really view either of them as title contenders. I'm actually going to go baseball. And I, I, <laughs> I feel a little silly even saying it because I'm, I'm very skeptical. We all know April Rockies, it can be fool's gold. I have serious concerns about the bullpen. The back half of the rotation scares me. But they are 4-1. and one. They're, they're fun. They have an athletic lineup filled with a lot of good hitters. I also think that the, the way that spring training was disrupted is going to have a legitimate impact on the pitchers this year. I think we're going to see guys going shorter innings. I think it could potentially make things wonky in these first couple of months. Now, the season is long enough that it, it may do that, and then it could still correct itself out by the time it's all said and done. That That's what happens in a 162-game season. I don't know. The Rockies to make the playoffs at plus 1,100. Just make the playoffs, which would be a wild card spot. I'd sprinkle it. I mean, at plus 1,100, again, I, I don't have very high expectations for this team at all. Probably not going to happen, but they could end up surprising some folks in a weird year. And because of that, I think it's worth tossing a couple of bucks on. I mean, if you're going to be watching regularly, why not have that added rooting component of you know, a little bit of dollars on it. It just makes you care more. It makes the whole thing more fun. And as long as you don't go too crazy, it's not that big of a deal. You know, it's a long-term bet, but has the potential to make months and months of baseball a lot more interesting. So lock it in. Uh, Rockies to make the playoffs at plus 1,100. Don't really expect it, but why not? You know, why not try and root for the hometown team to, to have some success? And again, I think weird stuff's going to happen. I just, I think it's going to be a weird year. Okay. Let's talk about the top teams, um, the top five spots where I would like to see Trey McBride land in the upcoming NFL draft. Factors, quality quarterback. You know, who's their quarterback right now? How long is he, you know, expected to be in town? You know, with guys like Tom Brady. And, you know, I'll talk about Tampa in a sec here because this is one of the teams on my list. Yeah, it'd be great early on. And I guess I'll just start. Tampa is my number five team. Nobody uses tight ends better than Tom Brady. I mean, getting mentored by Gronkowski, whether he's on the roster or not, I mean, I would imagine that's within the realm of possibility. All of that is perfect for this, this first year. I mean, it, it's a great spot to learn. You're learning from veterans. They have a lot of really talented play, players on that team. The counter, what happens post-Brady? Because this is a team that, spent a lot of money to go all in these past two years and they're going to have some serious cap issues going forward. I I don't pretend to be a cap expert or anything like that, but you know that that's a real concern around the league is what are they going to do when all these big time deals that they've signed to, you know, have the Super Bowl win window, you know, what happens after that? And what happens when Brady's done? I mean, Kyle Trask of, of Florida's their their backup QB at the moment. It, it's just it's concerning. Now Brady might be able to play who knows, you know, two, three more years. And at that point, it'd probably be worth it. And this would probably be one of the best spots. You've got talented wide receivers. You have Brady basically being the the head of the offense. Then obviously Todd Bowles as head coach running the defense. It's about as ideal of a landing spot for year one as you could have. Moving forward, I'd be a little bit worried, uh, but who knows, you know, who, who knows how long Brady's going to play at this point. It wouldn't surprise me if the dude's still out there when he's 50. They, uh, they have six total picks. Number 27 is their first pick. Don't see them going tight end that early. But number 60 could definitely be in play. They also pick at number 91 if Trey were somehow to 
really fall, but that would that would be absolutely shocking to me. Uh, number four, I have the Kansas City Chiefs. They still have Travis Kelsey, and and he has been great, you know, really for six straight years now. He's also kind of at an age where historically tight ends they fall off a cliff a little bit. I mean, I think he still has a couple of really productive years in him. I do think though that the the loss of Tyreek Hill is going to put a ton more attention on him, and you know maybe Kansas City can mitigate that with who they bring in, but. I don't know. I I think it's a scenario where we've probably seen peak Travis Kelsey. Is he still going to be a really good tight end? Yes, but I don't think he's going to match, you know, what he's done at at some of his best moments and I don't think he's going to exceed it, that's for sure. I think you bring in Trey McBride, you kind of go two tight ends. You know, you you attack the middle of the field a little bit more than you, you did in the past. Obviously, stretching the field with Tyreek was such a big part of what made that offense dangerous, but I mean, Kelsey McBride, that is an awesome one-two combo. And then it makes you feel better about moving on from Kelsey down the line if, you, if you're Kansas City because you have the replacement. Quarterback-wise, I mean, I'm not sure there's any other quarterback in the NFL that you would want to play with, you know, for the next 10 years. Josh Allen probably in that conversation as well. But, I mean, Mahomes is Mahomes. And with the way that he kind of scrambles around and, and improvises, I could see McBride succeeding in a way that Kelsey has, you know, just using his feel and just being kind of the, the erase all, you know, let him run around, try and stretch the field, hit the receiver. If not, just kind of throw it up and know that McBride's going to bring it down over a linebacker. I mean, as a Broncos fan would kill me, but at least Kansas city is close enough to where his family could go to a lot of games. We'd get to see him here in Denver. You know, it'd be a situation where we'd see him a lot and ultimately that's what I want. You know, I don't want him to end up in Jacksonville or, you know, with the Panthers or just some team that we never get to see, you know, end up with Tampa. They're always going to be on as long as Brady's on the team. They're going to play a ton of national games, Kansas city. We're going to see him a lot locally. And obviously they're one of the best teams. So they'll be on nationally a lot as well as is my number uh, three team, green Bay. Oh, real quick, Kansas city. They have 12 total picks. And that is something to keep an eye on, number 29 and number 30. But they also have 50 and 62, so they have a ton of capital. If they really wanted to to move up and pick one of their guys, they have the ability, the flexibility to do that. Uh, they're a team I'd, I'd really keep a close eye on. All right, kind of kind of spilled the beans there, but Green Bay is my number three team. Rodgers has leaned on tight ends over the years, particularly in the red zone. They obviously lost Devontae Adams, so I expect pass catchers to be a big point of emphasis for them in the draft. I just like that it's a very stable franchise historically. It's just one of those teams you always expect to be in the mix. Now, having, you know, going from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, that helps. You know, you basically have 30 straight years of, you know, a top 10 quarterback on your roster. That's always going to give you a chance to compete, but it also just feels like a team that you know, outside of maybe drafting Jordan Love, they just, they do the right things. They draft well, they they don't tend to give out dumb deals, although you can maybe make an argument that this most recent deal with, with Rodgers is going to handicap what they can do a little bit, but I guess the counter is, are you just going to let him walk? I mean, it's it's a tough spot, but I don't know. I just, I trust the Packers to figure it out. You know, moving forward, I'm not sure I trust Tampa Bay. Do I trust Tampa Bay right now? Yeah, because they've got Tom Brady. What happens after that, though? With Green Bay, I, again, you know, having quarterback, such great quarterback play for so many years, that's that's been a big boost. But I just trust them. I, I feel the same way about Pittsburgh. 
There's just like a couple of teams you just you expect them to figure it out. And with Pittsburgh, it's more about great coaching, you know, going from Coward to Tomlin. But those are just kind of some of the factors that I think are, are mo- most important here are, you know, coaching and, and quarterback play. I'd, I would have had Pittsburgh, you know, on this list if I was more confident in their quarterback situation moving forward. Although in a very play action, you know, offense with, with Trubisky and Najee Harris coming out of the backfield, I actually could see Trey being pretty successful in Pittsburgh. I don't think it would be a bad spot. And again, you know, I don't, even if Pittsburgh's down this year, because I, I don't expect Trubisky to kill it. I think he'll probably be better than what we saw in Chicago, just better coaching, better talent around him. I, and they'll, they'll scheme to him as well. That's something Chicago never did. They never catered their offense to his abilities, which are, again, it's like coming out. It was all this hype about him being able to run around. I could see, you know, I could see Trey being good in that offense with him. And, even if, if Trubisky doesn't work out, you trust Pittsburgh long-term to figure it out. I, again, I just I don't want Trey to end up in a spot where we don't get to watch him or where it's just, you know, like a hopeless situation. Like, do we trust Chicago to figure it out at, at this point? I like Justin Fields a lot, but that's a team that doesn't have history behind them. You know, the Jaguars as well. Although, you know, Trevor Lawrence, I, I do think they, they're going in the right direction, but, you know, history says otherwise. The, the Jets, the Giants are, are kind of similar. Giants have better history, at least recently. And I love the thought of of Trey in a in a Brian Dable system. But I just I can't get behind Daniel Jones. I just I can't do it. I can't do it. Uh, anyways, number two, Denver. The yeah, the Broncos have Albert O, but they need a more complete tight end for some of the the zone and gap concepts that I expect Hackett to run. You know, again, McBride being a complete tight end, perfect there. Wilson isn't a guy that's, you know, like had great tight ends over the years. He hasn't really leaned on him in the red zone at times. You, you see him kind of lock in on a guy for a couple of weeks, but he, he definitely was a guy that attacked receivers more. I just think that in this system, with all the attention that the receivers are going to command, there's going to be a big focus on Javante coming out of the backfield. I really think Trey could get favorable matchups. You open up everything out of the, the play action, which is where Russ has been the best in his careers when he's kind of running around. Hasn't done a ton of that the last couple of years. I think you'll bring that back. Being the hometown guy, it's a perfect story. You know, his family, friends, everybody gets to watch him all the time. I think falling to 68 would be crazy, but if he did, I, I, there's nobody I'd want Denver to pick more. And again, I, I'd love to see Denver, you know, trade up around, you know, 50 and, and guarantee that they get him because I, I think it's a position that the Broncos desperately need. Last year, I wouldn't have even put Denver on this list. Obviously, they had Noah Fant still, but I didn't trust the quarterback play. I didn't trust the head coach. Hackett, I mean, maybe it's a little premature, but I trust him. I just do, based on everything that everybody said about him, based on what he did in Jacksonville and, and Green Bay. I mean, I trust this coaching to to best, at least put the offense in a position to, to best utilize their skill set, which is not something I could say about Vic Fangio. And then, you know, obviously, Russell Wilson, it's night and day. It's the best quarterback that the Broncos have had since Peyton. And he feels like the perfect mentor to help, you know, guide train the league. Obviously, you always see the videos of, of Russ working with the receivers, just coaching everybody up, being a great leader. You know, I, I could definitely see it working out in Denver. All right. Uh, number one, I have Buffalo. I just think that outside of Mahomes, it's the best quarterback situation moving forward. I do have some serious concerns about the loss of Brian Dable and, and how it's going to impact that offense because he elevated Josh Allen in a way that I don't think most coaches could. You know, like when you see 
all this hindsight stuff, you know, oh, the Broncos should have drafted Josh. Yes, they, they clearly should have, you know, Hammer Lamar or one of these quarterbacks. I'm also not sure that Josh Allen, if he would have been drafted by Denver all those years ago, would be the Josh Allen that we see today. You know, I just, I think Dable was a perfect situation and I am curious to see now that Dable's the head coach of the Giants, how that does impact Allen. But I think when you look at the playmakers that they have, their defense is just stacked. Offensively, they're, they're built to win. Watching Allen run around, I, I feel like McBride could be his Kelsey, you know, the way that Allen likes to improvise as well. McBride is, is great in space, great catcher, hard to bring down. It just feels like it could be a, a really perfect fit. It would be really weird from a Wyoming CSU perspective. That'd be interesting because uh, Wyoming fans have basically all adopted the, the Bills as their favorite NFL team. Would they root for Trey? I'd, I'd be very interested to see how that, that all plays out. But I think from a fantasy football perspective, that's a combo that could be you know lethal. And more than that, I just think it makes a lot of sense. Like The way they play feels very natural. Uh, Trey has a history of playing in cold weather, so you know none of that would bother him. From a local standpoint, it'd be disappointing just because we really don't get to watch the Bills. I imagine we'll see them more in the next couple of years just because Josh Allen is one of the top quarterbacks in the league now. They'll, they'll get more national games. But it would suck because it's really far away, you know, like Dallas or Kansas City or something. You know, it'd be a lot easier for CSU fans, for people from Fort Morgan to go out and watch him. But from a football perspective, I mean, I think Russell Wilson, Mahomes... And Allen would be the the three quarterbacks he would most want to play with. And then Brady, obviously, for however long he's out there. Buffalo, they've got eight total picks. 25, uh, 57 is where I would kind of watch out for. And uh, then number 89. So it'll be interesting to see a couple of teams that I left off that you might be surprised about. Uh, probably Tennessee, uh, Miami, maybe. I mean, I, I think Trey playing with Mike McDaniel would be very intriguing just given the way that they they got Kittle involved, I'd love to see that. And I also think Miami is a, a team on the rise. Either they figure it out this year and win with Tua, or they go and, and they get a quarterback, and then they're just stacked with a bunch of playmakers already ready to go. And then I would throw San Francisco out there as well. Uh, you're playing behind Kittle, who's you know one of Trey's idols at the next level. He could help coach him up. And it just kind of feels like a natural fit. You know, I, I, Those are kind of the teams that... I, I would like to see him end up with... I would throw Minnesota out there as well. I think with the right coaching, Minnesota's kind of a a ticking... A sleeping giant. Almost a ticking time bomb. That doesn't make sense. They're a sleeping giant. They've got great receivers. I think Kirk Cousins is a frustrating quarterback, but I also think he's probably the most underrated quarterback. I don't know. Those, those are the teams I would throw out there. Um, just to, to recap the, the teams that I had in my top five, I've got Tampa Bay, Kansas City, Green Bay, Denver, and Buffalo... Those are the five spots. We shall see. It's going to be fun. I'm, I'm very excited for Trey. One of the all-time great Rams. It's really exciting to see him get this opportunity. And it's just going to be fun having a, another, you know, CSU stud at the next level. It's, it's great watching Gallup on a weekly basis. Obviously, Shaq Barrett has been the guy, you know, the last half decade or so. But now you've got Trey coming into the league. Uh, Richard's got a fresh start out in Carolina. BC, you know, coming off the knee injury, hopefully able to, to put it back together. It's an exciting time, exciting time to be a Ram fan, and I'm looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. Much love. Peace. Peaches out of-
palisade, sweet as mama's marmalade. This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums. My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs. Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves. We are just some drops of water together, make up seven seas. And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe. I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I